I'm an American. Welcome to the Liberty Mom Show. My name is Chris Kimball. I'm hosting today. We're part of the Loving Liberty Network. Thank you for joining us. Liberty Moms are the defenders of the home front, the real secretaries of defense when it comes to their children, their family, and their community. And now more than ever, we are needing parents and uh, those individuals who are seeing our liberties being stripped away from us uh, you know, I would say on a momentary basis, I mean, it's like you wake up and read the news and all of a sudden there's another mandate. In fact, I uh, called the air quality department here in Utah, and I don't know if anybody knows, but we're under in Salt Lake County, there's another mandate that's been put on us as citizens. And so the government is just really encroaching on everything we do. And we can look outside and make decisions for ourselves, whether we want to be outside or not. We don't need the government stepping in and deciding whether you go to work today or whether you stay at home, you can make that decision. And so I am super excited to have two um, individuals as my uh, guests today. They're a Liberty mom, and I'm going to say a Liberty dad, and uh, they are stepping up in an area that they don't have necessarily expertise in other than they understand that we have a constitution that protects our God-given rights. And they've witnessed in the last 16 months that our government has been totally tyrannical and abusive in respecting and supporting those rights, which that is their job as our government, that we've given them that particular power is to protect those rights. And so I want to introduce first of all, Alina Erickson, and she is a wife of 25 years, a mother of six. And so she definitely is a Liberty Mama. She is a master herbalist and a hypnotist and has a bachelor's in marriage and family studies and a master's in clinical mental health counseling. And so I'm sure Alina has a lot of insight on what this type of tyranny that we've had inflicted upon ourselves and our children, what that, what that looks like. And then James Tracy is our, my other guest. And James said that he's just a regular guide and he's fed up. And you know what? I think there's a lot of people out in Utah and across the United States that are really just fed up with this, out of the war, out of control over over you over abuse of our of our government into our private lives and so thank you both for joining me James and Alina thank you thank you yes and so I want to get into uh, Alina you again you live up in Davis County and for some reason I was up there for uh, it's been five or six years since I lived up there and it's funny we just never crossed paths because I was uh, chair of the Republican Party and was involved politically up there. But uh, was it just this last year that got you going? Well, 
involved? I'm, I'm back in Utah from, you know, being gone for, for like 12 years. So I've been back for four. So maybe that's why we never ran into each other. And I, as a homeschooling mother, I have taught my children American history. So I've, I've learned the foundations of politics and the constitution and things like that, that, that are very dear to me. So um, I've always been involved that way on the home front, but yeah, 2020 was the wake up call. I was like, this is, this is what I was born for. <laughs> One of the reasons. Well, and not only did Alina wake up, she went and took action and she ended up filing. I want to get the right legal term. She filed a crim, opened up a criminal case against Spencer Cox. And just to remind people, Spencer Cox was over the COVID task force, which implemented these draconian uh, tactics that we had to live under. Okay. They, they did the, the two week um, bending the curve, which again was unconstitutional and then started this color coding of when you can be open and who's essential, who's non-essential and the uh, businesses have to be restricted on capacity. And so we have businesses today, 16 months later, that never opened up from that, uh, that edict that he, he implemented as the COVID task force. And since then, now he's become the governor. And so you stepped up to the plate and you called him out on that and, and filed a criminal case. So tell us about that. So briefly, um, it was I was targeting Herbert and Cox and particularly the sheriffs and the power of a sheriff. And um, they have the ultimate authority to arrest a governor. And so I had federal codes in mind and they said, no, we, we need state codes. So I read the 417 pages of the Utah criminal code. And because I had collected affidavits of harm all over the state of Utah, and I was very familiar with the damages that people were experiencing. When I went home and read the 417 pages, I was able to copy and paste the codes that corresponded to those affidavits. And so um, his case, Utah County just flat out told me an email, there's no evidence of any damage or harms. And um, uh, San Pete County, that case is still open. The Attorney General Reyes, he still has this case open. Um, but what I'm finding, and James can come in here, he saw my work, and um, it all comes together with the affidavits and making sure that we have law and order, and that we're all equal and accountable before the law. And so in my heart, my mother heart, I could not, I couldn't stand to watch what was happening to businesses, to the suicides, to the depression, the children, the disruption of the peace, people being denied their natural rights. And, being able to go to funerals or um, baby births or things that will never happen again. And so I, I knew I needed to do something. And I feel like we have systems in place. And what's interesting about my path and what I've tried is to prove whether or not these systems work. And it's to wake the people up. Hey, we have law enforcement that is supposed to take care of this stuff. It's not good enough for a sheriff to say, I'm a constitutional sheriff. What are you doing? On your own account, what are you doing when you see government breaking the Constitution? They need to step it up and they need to do something about it. And so for me, I'm attacking this every way I can. And James came into the picture and I'll let him speak for himself. But he knew I had filed a notice of liability, a notice of non-reply and a notice of dishonor because I had sent these guys affidavits um, a year ago. 
and they had had ignored all of them. And then recently James gave me more paperwork and I filed that. They're ignoring everything. So James, I would like you to just share with our, our listeners because affidavits are, are, it's a legal document that's at our disposal and it's been used historically uh, in other time periods much more than they are today. I think we've kind of lost track of that tool that's there for we the people. But would you explain what the affidavits are and, sure. and they are effective for the yeah. people? The, the, the simplest way to explain an affidavit is, is you have to go back in time to really understand what what were the the, the lawful basis, the lawful foundation our country was founded on. And if you look at look at the very basic document, the Constitution, you're going to find references in there to um, to a form of law called common law. And a lot of people ask, well, what exactly is common law? Well, the best way to put it is common law is common sense. So it's law that's not written. Basically, it's it's the the golden rule that we all learn when we're kids. You know, don't hurt other people. Be a good person. Um, help your neighbor when you see that they need help. It's just it's it's common sense. We're all born with it. I mean, people, in, in my opinion, and some may feel differently, but I don't believe people are born inherently evil. I believe that's that's a learned trait. That's a learned skill. But the affidavit process was a process that was practiced for thousands of years. So the basic, the easiest way to explain it is if you have a neighbor and the neighbor does something to either you or your property, so your home, your car, one of your children, whatever, and you're unable to work it out, you can send your neighbor an affidavit and you'd say, hey, Mr. Neighbor, you, you did this to me, you did this to me, you did this to me, um, and I'm swearing under penalty of perjury that this is true. And if you don't agree with what I've said, Mr. Neighbor, you can file your own affidavit against me. You can rebut my affidavit, and then we'll basically be at odds. Um, and then from there, um, it would definitely you would have to go to a to a court at that point. But most of the people today have hidden behind the the legal system, and I would say there is absolutely a difference between legal system and lawful system. Okay, James, I'm going to, James, I'm going to interrupt you here just for a quick minute because we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and reiterate again this affidavit system that's at our disposal. Stay with us here on the Liberty Mom Show. Welcome back to the Liberty Mom Show. Chris Kimball hosting today. Thank you for joining us. And I'm talking with James Tracy and Alina Erickson, and we're talking about common law. And uh, what is common law? And how can we, as the people, use common law, which really goes back, it predates the Constitution. It, it goes back to us living under the law of nature, under nature's law, God's law, the law, as James said in the first segment, the law of common sense. But we've kind of lost track of using affidavits. I know when I've gone in and done my research with church history, Joseph Smith, who was the founder of the 
the Mormon church, the prophet, he was using affidavits all the time to clear his name because people were slandering him and lying about him. And so he would get to, he would get to the point where he would get them to write an affidavit stating that what they had said before was untrue and that they had made it up. And, and that way they could settle things without going to court. So James, why is it that we don't know about affidavits today? Like they did before. Well, that's, that's by design. So if you think about it, if, if you're presented with a, a legal problem, what, what have we all been told to do? What, what have we all been ingrained to do? You, you got to go get a lawyer. You got to hire a lawyer. So if you have a legal problem, we have all been brainwashed to think that we have to go out and hire a lawyer. And there's, there's some sad truth to that. And the fact that four out of five people who need a lawyer for it to solve a legal problem can't even afford it. And so what happens is those poor people just get railroaded through the system. And I, you know, Alina can tell you, I am no fan of a certain organization. Um, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's the bar association. Every single attorney is required to, if they want to practice law in whatever state they're in, they're required to hold a bar card. Now, what's criminal about this is the Bar Association is a private organization. This is not an association that is run by any one of the states that we live in. For example, if you want to practice real estate in Utah, you must have a real estate license. The Utah Division of Commerce is the one that issues that license. Same thing for uh, insurance and doctors. So if you're required by law to hold a law license, why is it that a private organization is the one that issues that license? It doesn't make sense to me and it doesn't make sense to anybody else. Well, it's because they have, they have hijacked our legal system. They have taken everyone out of the common law and they're, and they're pushing maritime law. You're going to hear that a lot. That is the legal world or commerce. So when you hire an attorney, you're, you're basically, you're, you're waiving all of your rights as a man or as a woman, you're waiving all of those rights and you're agreeing to play by their by their rules in their, in their game. And I'm just going to, I'm here to tell you that, that that system was set up for the common man or woman to fail. Wow. You know, that is so revealing. In fact, it actually, you know, if you go back into the new Testament, Jesus was warning everybody about how awful lawyers were. (laughs) And, and here we are today with every, you know, they've been hijacked and it is, it's taking you out of, because the thing is with common law, you, we, the people have the power because our power comes from God. We're right. in with that power from our God on high. And so when we get hijacked and shifted over into this, uh, this secular, um, I don't know what you would call it, machination of, of, or, then you're 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 actually giving up your your power you you're correct see it's in in this world in the legal world everything revolves around status and jurisdiction if if a judge can gain jurisdiction over you they now technically own you so when you when you go into court if you're not represented by an attorney they're going to ask you or they're going to say oh you're representing yourself and most people will say, well, yeah, I'm here to represent myself. That is, again, that's by design because by representing yourself, you're not, you're not representing anything. You're actually re-presenting yourself before the court. 
as a lower status. And if to, to your point, uh, Chris, you know, you, you have at the status ladder, you have God, God or our creators at the very top. And then we have man or woman underneath that. And then men or women created government, government created corporations, governments and corporations created titles, attorneys, judges, doctors, taxpayers, residents, um, individuals who represent themselves are known as pro se. So anytime you get locked into a legal fight, they're going to ask you to, to accept that status. And I'm here to tell you, you absolutely under no circumstance should ever accept that as a status, because if you do, you waive all of your rights and you're, you're just not going to win. Wow. We're getting great information. I hope that helps some of our listeners today. If they um, start finding themselves, uh, which we've had even here in Utah, um, where law enforcement is coming after citizens who are just peacefully showing up to voice their concerns, whether it's at the school board, whether it's at um, county council meetings, and they end up uh, getting arrested for trespassing. And so it's we need to get our citizens informed. Now, um, going back to Alina, she filed this uh, criminal case against uh, Spencer Cox, and it was just particularly him in this particular case, right? Um, Herbert was involved in that as oh, well. Okay. Herbert and Cox. And that right now is still open in San Pete County. Yes, I'm with the Attorney General, yes. Okay. Now, you have also taken on um, six individuals who were responsible for much of the mayhem that we went through back in 2020 and carried over into 2021. Uh, mask mandates, uh, social distancing, businesses having to uh, uh, run at 25% or 50% capacity. And so you have filed a lawsuit. Tell our listeners about that. Well, when James found me, it's interesting how the Lord puts people together. And that's been happening a lot in my life. And James was one of those and he knew I had done the notice of liability and I've submitted all this paperwork. I had a small little group and they all backed out and they said, I, we don't know how to do the court thing. James came by and he says, I know how to do the court thing. I'm like, I fought it back and I pushed back for a little while with him. And I finally said, okay, fine. If you're around James enough, <laughs> he's convincing and you just kind of go, okay, okay. So for me, I, I love liberty more than anything. And I feel like it's a calling. There is no other motivation for me than to defend um, God's plan of liberty. And so for with this case, it is a $750 million claim. And the reason it's so high is because that is their language. That is the only thing that that uh, will speak their language and get them to really pay attention and look, I have tried everything else. Citizens can attest. They have emailed, called, protested peacefully. They have gone to meetings. They have even shown up at their homes peacefully. Now they're going to be criminalized if they show up at their homes. We have no other recourse. We have nothing. And um, <clears throat> even to say, well, we'll just wait till the we can elect somebody else. We don't even have integrity with our elections. So right now I see us on the precipice of such a moment that the declaration signers that they were at. <clears throat> and so it is with the same sentiment that I, that I do this, I'm willing to do this. And um, so, yes, I had to make the claim high enough. It is with Cox. It is with Herbert Cox minor, um, which was the former um, health director, the current health director Saunders, Angela Dunn, and now Deidre Henderson. 
And all of them have been service staff. All of them have, have ignored and neglected to respond, which James can attest um, in federal um, in federal law, that stands as truth in court. If you if you neglect, then it stands as truth in court. And so I do feel I feel that I have a strong case. But what is the strongest part of the case is that it's a constitutional claim. All right, Aline, we've got to take a break right here. So stay with us. Oh, my goodness. We're going to hear more about this lawsuit against our sitting governor and lieutenant governor here on the Liberty Mom show. Stay with us. This is Chris Kimball with the Liberty Mom Show. Thank you for sticking with us. We're having a fascinating discussion today. I've got Alina Erickson and James Tracy and as my guests, and they have stepped up to push back against the tyranny that Utahns have faced these last 16, 17 months here in Utah, starting under uh, when uh, Gary Herbert was our governor and now following through with the current administration, Spencer Cox and Deidre Henderson. And Alina, before the break, you talked about how you love God and his liberty. This is his plan and laws of liberty. It's not man-made. It's not created by man. It's And, and if we go back to the whole point of uh, forming government, it was the people that formed government to protect these beautiful laws of liberty that God bestowed upon us. And so you've stepped up with a lawsuit of $750 million. And I, you know, some people would say, oh, why are you suing for money and this and that? And as you said in the last segment, you have tried countless of different ways to get their attention, to get them to, um, to, uh, to listen. I mean, have you ever even had a chance to talk to them? I was in front of Spencer Cox um, during the convention and he was telling all the see my smile group, there will not be any mandates. And I was right behind that. I was about ready to ask him about the Rockefeller money that they took <laughs> and how that came into play. And but he he left with his guards. But that's the closest I've been to him. Yeah, it was interesting because I've heard a dollar amount. I don't know if uh, many people know that the state of Utah during the covid pandemic actually took $105 billion that was dangled to them from different uh, Rockefeller Foundation, different uh, the government. We took more than any other state in the entire 50 states. And it's double like what the next state even considered taking. I mean, we are such in the money trough of the, of the federal money and, and special, um, uh, outside organizations. And that's our governor. That's who he is. And what's interesting now is that $105 billion doesn't show up anywhere in our budget. It- well, it's important to know that in my criminal case, I brought that up. Oh, did you? Okay. Money laundering. I mean, there's yeah. like five different charges that go along with that, but I asked them to show us evidence. If that was money, if that was COVID relief for the people, where is it? Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Oh. That I love hearing that because 
You know, I mean, I challenge them in 30 pages of criminal accusations. I challenge them on the election level. We're talking about isolating the elderly, abuse of children. We're talking about deprivation of rights, denial of funeral entrances, um, electronic harassments. I mean, there's a whole separate thing with the criminal case versus this this uh, lawsuit, which is totally tied into federal violations that we have. And look at the separation of family. I have a sister who is widowed now through COVID, not because her husband got COVID, but because he went into decline. He was locked up in solitary confinement in his uh, rested home facility and unable to ever see her or talk to her in person again. And they had given him a projected uh, life expectancy of four to five years. He died in three months because he was in solitary confinement by himself. That is so abusive and criminal. And that is at the hands of our uh, COVID-19 task force and all of those who bought into this global uh, lockdown of of the countries and separating families during this so-called COVID crisis. And so I, for one, am thankful and grateful that you have stepped up. And and James, what what's the step with this lawsuit? Like, what's the, what's the status of it? So, um, so Alina originally filed her case back in the first part of July. Um, it was officially served on the parties on July the sixteenth. And um, we were waiting to hear back, generally speaking, when you file a lawsuit and it's, and it's properly served, the other party has to respond. So we were waiting for a response and we got a response. However, the response was they, they asked the court to give them more time to respond. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> which which uh, I got to be honest with you, when I, when I saw that, I started to laugh. I'm just like, okay, well, this tells me they have defense. Um, so... To really throw a curveball at them, um, we 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 typed up an amended claim, an amended complaint, uh, filed that with the court last week, and had that amended. Uh, excuse me, earlier this week, and had that amended claim served on the party. I believe they received it yesterday or today. So their their time extension didn't do them any good. They asked for more time with our original claim, which was only 36, 37 pages, if I remember correctly. The amended claim is, is totaled over 200 pages. Oh. And that includes everything that Alina sent them, the notice of liability, the, no, the notice of default, the notice of claim, the affidavit, everything. Um, Alina did her homework. She really went through it and she put in all the numbers and said, hey, listen, I'm looking at the raw data. The data doesn't show there's an emergency here. Where is the emergency? And they chose, they chose to ignore it, but this, this is the problem. And this is why affidavits are so powerful. People think they can just ignore stuff and it'll go away. The courts have ruled that you cannot ignore a document where a response is required, especially one that is being signed under the penalty of perjury. I mean, you're, you're essentially saying, I am willing to go to jail if I am lying. What I put on this, if what I put on this document isn't, isn't good. So if, if that's the case, if, if you're willing to do that, that's the case, then you're, you're putting your, your name and your reputation out there as saying um, this man or this woman committed this trespass against me. I want to, I want to resolve this. I'm trying to resolve this out of the courts. Like, and like grownups do 
If you have a problem with someone else, you generally try to work it out. You don't go running to the courts. The problem we have today is we've all been trained to believe that if you have a problem, you run straight to an attorney, you pay the attorney a lot of money, and then they file a bunch of stuff with the courts. I would add the power of this. I would just add that it's really important to um, mention that the – there's a lot of information on common law and the bar association and all of that, but really what the power is, is in the affidavit and in the claim itself, because this, this, this uh, lawsuit puts the constitution to test and the men and women who are interacting to the test to see what we're going to do and what we're going to choose. It will be a testimony that we either are law abiding citizens, which is honoring the constitution or we're not. Because that's what this whole lawsuit is, Title 42, 1983, Deprivation of Rights. And so we list, James, correct me if I'm wrong, the first, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the ninth, the 13th, and 14th Amendments, and all the different ways those have been violated. So there's 48 different counts that we have that we came up with for them to rebut each level. Prove to me, and and here's the crux, show me where you have jurisdiction over me, a woman, to deprive me of my natural rights. Refute that. They can't refute it. That's why this lawsuit is different. It holds on to eternal truths. It holds on to the Constitution. Good luck trying to refute that. And I don't know if you have anything to add, James, in, in the two minutes left. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, and those, just so everyone's clear, Chris, those, those counts are criminal counts. We, we are citing federal and state criminal codes. So there's there's two ways. There's really, t- I mean, the only way someone can be convicted criminally is in a criminal trial. The only people who can who can instig- instigate criminal trials are, are attorneys general or district attorneys of, of counties. But citizens can bring forward these claims like we're doing here. And when we're successful with this, I don't say if, because we will be successful with this. When we're successful with this, Spencer Cox, Herbert, and the rest, they will all be guilty of committing these crimes civilly. Then it's just a matter of turning our case over to the proper authorities who might actually have a backbone and prosecute these men and women because they have committed crimes. People have signed oaths under penalty of perjury that crimes were committed against them. That's that's not to be taken lightly. So with what what you're doing is you are bringing forward the, the kind of the evidence of their guilt and then because you can't do the prosecution, the prosecuting of it. OK, and then it's you're relying on once all this comes forward. And would these individuals be uh, responsible for the money portion of it? It wouldn't come through the government. It would come because they're, you're you're suing them as individuals, right? Correct. Yeah. So they, they are required by law to carry insurance for situations just like this. And if the insurance claims do not cover the amounts, then there is a, if you want to call it a slush fund that the state maintains that that would be paid, these claims would be paid out of those coffers. The majority of that $105 billion that they took in for COVID money, that that money is sitting at that coffer. Oh, James, we've, okay, we've got to take a break. We'll be addressing that when we come back. Stay with us. Pretty Moms Show.
Hi, welcome back to the Liberty Mom Show. This is Chris Kimball hosting today. I'm so grateful that you took the time to listen in because this has been a extremely important show to listen to because of the the liberty, the, the aspects of liberty that you're learning about being an individual person with a with God as our higher power and how we can take back our rights that have been kind of circumvented through our uh, local governments. I don't care if you're talking about city, if you're talking about state or federal, all of these entities have overreached and encroached on our personal liberties, which is illegal. It's against our governing documents of our state constitution, against God's law, which is the law supreme, and the constitution, which is designed to protect God's law. And so uh, Alina Erickson and Tra- um, James <laughs> James Tracy. Okay, he had the two first names that I had to get them reversed. But anyway, James Tracy has been with me today and they were James was just going over the fact that uh, with this lawsuit, and we're not going to go into all the details that's in the last segment that we listened to, but Alina has filed a lawsuit. Are you the only uh, plaintiff on the lawsuit? So when we amended it, there's how many did we add? Was it five? Yes, there's five. Oh, okay, yeah. So there's five. Oh, my goodness. Five heroes, five patriots, five courageous uh, men and women who put their name on this uh lawsuit to uh, hold to task and uh, get reparations for the harm that was caused by um, Gary Herbert, Spencer Cox, Deidre Henderson, uh, Joe Minor, Rich Saunders, and uh, Angela Dunn. And uh, the the harm that they inflicted on businesses, on families, the emotional harm, uh, the financial harm, the suicide, oh, there's so much devastation that was caused And so these um, individuals have stepped up. So um, we were just finishing in the last segment that they, the the six plaintiffs would be uh, responsible for the the 750 million. And that would come either out of, I love that. I mean, they they get insurance, but I love that there's a slush fund just to help out elected officials (laughs) should they need it. And I guess it's our tax dollars. And what else goes into that slush fund? Well, that's just it, is our tax dollars aren't supposed to go into that. That's supposed to be excess revenue. Like if you ever hear, sometimes they have a surplus budget. I mean, why in the world should government ever have a surplus? They never should. They should only just take just enough what they need to cover our basic services that they offer, but but they do. Um, And so this, this coronavirus relief fund is part of this legislation known as the CARES Act. Um, that money, the majority of that money was, was distributed to states and states put it in that slush fund and they were just deciding, well, we'll put money here. We'll do money here. We'll do things here. I mean, it's really, essentially it was, is they were just, it's, I liken it like a kid in a candy shop where they walk into the candy shop and the candy owner says, Hey, here, do you want a sucker? Have another one, have another one, have another one. There's just no end to the number of suckers that they get. And you know, kids, they'll keep taking suckers as long as they're being handed out for free. So this money's just sitting there, and we, we the people, were, were the ones who suffered because of it. We, we the people, they, they trampled on our rights, our God-given rights, without the jurisdiction or without the right to do so. And that, that's what has been lost on people is, is understanding, hey, listen, just because the government says you must do something 
They cannot force you to do something. There's only two ways anyone can make anybody do anything if you're their property or if you have a contract with them. But like Alina said, one of the law, one of the amendments that we're, we're attacking them on in this lawsuit is they, they deprived us of our 13th Amendment rights, which is slavery and indentured servitude. Forcing another man or woman to do something against their will constitutes slavery or indentured servitude. And the 14th so, Amendment is they, by law or by other means, cannot deprive us of our unalienable rights. Correct. Correct. So this this is how this is how the men and women of this country. This is how we stand up and we and we take back what is rightfully ours. I mean, government was created by men, like Thomas Jefferson said, to secure these rights. Governments are instituted among men with the consent of the governed. As the way I see it right now, these people in government positions do not have the consent of the governed, but they don't care. And this is why when Alina went to the sheriff of Utah County, he decided to do nothing. Because in his mind, oh, well, the affidavits of these 60, 70, 100 people, however many people file affidavits, that means nothing to me. I mean, that's ridiculous. How do we, how do we seek a redress for our grievance? If another man or woman has done harm to me, I have been told to go file a police report. I'm filing a police report, and you, Mr. Police Officer, and you, Mr. Sheriff, are telling me there's no crime here? I'm sorry, were you the one where the crime was committed against? Because I was. I have been financially harmed. I have been physically harmed. My son or my daughter is contemplating suicide because they're locked in the room nine out of 10, 10 hours of the day because they won't let them go to school. Or if they do let them go to school, they cover their face. And now we've dehumanized people. So this is why it is so crucial now more than ever. And this is why I'm a man on a mission. This is why Lena told you, I, I don't take no for an answer very easily. <laughs> and it's because I, I, I feel so strongly that God has placed me here at this time and this moment to do this work. Because if we do this now, and if we teach people going forward, the right way to seek a redress from our grievances, like the constitution guarantees us. And instead of running to a lawyer, I call them liars. L-I-E, Y-E-R-S. Right. Now, again, this is no, no offense to anybody in that profession because I've met a lot of really good men and women in that profession. But there are also a lot of men and women who are, are really doing some bad things, whether they know it or not. And it needs to stop. They need to stop prosecuting people in these, I call them kangaroo courts. These are these courts run by the cities and by the, the counties in, in our state where someone says, oh, well, you did this or you did this. That means you're liable for this. Like what you're talking about, a mask mandate, right? They, they instituted a mask mandate. If you don't wear a mask, you're, you're given a citation. Uh, where's the law? Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, have a, I have an unalienable right to life. I have an unalienable right to, to, to my liberty. Can you show me where in here it says that I must wear a mask where, where I gave you authority over me? That's what people are, are, are losing things. And that's where we want to try and educate people going forward. So that's where these powerful truths hopefully will make a difference is, you know, truth sets us free. Alina, you shared with me the other night when we were at uh, an event gathering affidavits and you shared with me uh, a section of scripture that is really uh, part is part of the LDS culture, the doctrine covenants. And it's the Lord instructing people specifically to use affidavits. Yes. And to specify to specify the abuses from tyrannical, oppressive government. 
And um, then there's a beautiful promise at the end of the chapter where the Lord, you will see the Lord's arm. And I think the biggest thing I, James and I would agree is this is not our battle. It's not our fight. I see myself as a servant. Um, let the Lord's will be done. I don't care what happens to me. I don't care what they try to do to me. I will die standing if I have to keep trying that way. I will. But more than anything, I came to this world to defend liberty. I know I did. And I will take whatever I need to do. But at the same time, this is God's timing and I have to trust. So I do all that I can. And then I trust him to do the rest. And I think that's the real message for the liberty fight. Um, people need to get in tune with God, get that direction for what he would have them do. Do all they can and then trust him. Trust him to intervene when, when it's the right timing. But too many people are hopeless and we, we can't have the hopelessness. No, hopelessness <laughs> is where Satan wants us to be scared, fearful, no hope. And we have to take action. Faith is an action word. And we have to have faith that God is in, in really in control. And it is his will, like you said, his will be done. But we, we chose to come here and we chose to come here because uh, we were warriors for Christ. We're here to fight for him. Now, okay, we have one minute left. It's DNC 123. For those of you, that was kind of a cliffhanger, not telling you exactly this section, but tell our listeners how they can get involved in the last few seconds we have. I'm going to recommend utahfreedomcoalition.org. Um, I work closely with Jen that does that website. We are always adding things to that. Jen's been amazing. Um, you can find affidavits for the audit for the election. Um, petitions, like all sorts of things on there. You could, there's a calendar of events, anything you want to be involved with politically, committees, get organized as groups, have weekly meetings with your neighbors, figure out your passion, pray for guidance and go for it. Thank you, Alina. Thank you, James. I am blown away at uh, your love of liberty and your courage and your tenacity to stand up and fight for it. So I hope others take and follow your example and we can we can take our our country back. So thank you again. And thanks for joining us here on the Liberty Mom Show. We appreciate your listening in and stand up for liberty. Thank you. Thank you.